Yay, it's recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, welcome, guys. This is episode two of What's My Major. Today, I'm here with Dr. Albert Vogt. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. Phonics. So, uh, he is a history professor here at USFSP, and so he's been kind enough to come in today and, uh, like help me uh, put together some equipment, but also to talk oh, about his, you. His, <laughs> his experience. Um, I'm a historian, not a sound producer or whatever, <laughs> whatever the sound engineer. So uh, there you go. Be the technical term. I mean, I guess technically I'm not either, but that's okay. Like we made it anyways. It's, we, we got it. If, if it's coming through the air, we're good. Um, anyways, so he's kind enough today to come and be a, a guest on the episode. So um, he actually has a master's, uh, a little bit more about him, he has a, a master's in Florida studies from University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, and he also is, um, he has a PhD in American history from Loyola University, Chicago. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I guess uh, a fun fact about him right now is you are currently, from what I understand, watching an autistic dog. And by the way, it was not... This is what the owners tell me, so I'm not I'm not making this up myself. <laughs> they they will tell you it is an autistic dog. Oh my gosh! I'm dog sitting an autistic dog. Nice. Yeah. Um, so and uh, right now we are in the beautiful University of South Florida St. Pete, and it is boiling well, hot outside. Well, will people walk by and like look at us like we're crazy here? I think they'll just think we're superficial because okay. we got like headphones, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, like some fancy mics. All know, right, that's all it takes. So, anyways, guys. So we're gonna, we have a ton of really great uh, question and answers for you, and let's go ahead and get this episode started. Sounds good. Cool. All right. So, what? Um, we'll start from the beginning. What is the uh, born, no. origin oh. story? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my mom met my dad. Dark and, and stormy night. No. Yeah. So, uh, what what is the origin story of Dr. Albert Vogt, the uh, historian? Okay. So I've I've always loved history. Um, and you know, obviously, I'm still very passionate about history. Uh, but um, in you know, I was in the sports as a kid. Uh, but I don't I don't know what other dads talked to their kids about. But my dad talked to me about Napoleon, and Napoleonic history was my first love. And actually, uh, on a side note, I was very fortunate um, two years ago to take my dad to Europe for the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo. So we were there for history. It was a trip of a lifetime. I dreamed about it since I was a kid because, you know, that's that's what we connected on when I was a, a wee one, as they say. And, um, you know, from there, like, there was a there was a point in time when I was, when I was a kid where all I thought about was being a professional baseball player. And then I had a, a moment in my life where I had a bad experience on a baseball team, and I thought, well, maybe I don't want to be a professional baseball player. And from that point on, I was like, I want to get my PhD in history. And like, literally as a middle school, I was like, this is what I wanted to do. I'm a weird kid. Or I was a weird kid, I'm a weird guy now. So, But I like to think that my idiosyncrasies are fun in some way. And quirky. Which, yeah. I mean, you're a great conversationalist from the, the interactions we've had before, so I think that uh, it works in your favor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. 
Uh, so. I mean, like, what did you have a specific team that you wanted to play for? Oh, I'm a Cubs fan. Hey, yeah. they just won the World oh, Series, too. And I was there. Oh, really? I was there for history. Nice. There. And, and fitting because you're a history major. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I wasn't in Cleveland. I was in, I was in Chicago when they won, and specifically, I was in Wrigleyville, so I was around Wrigley Field, and was nuts. Nice. It was, I cried. Um, it was. <laughs> uh, I seriously. I mean, hey, cried. like his, history was made. I'm sure a lot of people cried. Yeah, so. I came. I like to tell people I came out of the womb a Cubs fan. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I had wanted to. Since I was in the middle in middle school, I wanted to be. A, I wanted to get a PhD, and um, you know, I originally wanted to do Napoleonic history because that was my first love. But then, actually, uh, Dr. Ray Arsenault here at USF, um, legend of a man, I might add, for anybody who's listening, um, helped me. I, I owe a lot to me getting to where I am today to him. So, um, Which isn't an uncommon thing, like, when you go to college, is you yeah. usually have one or two professors who really make an impact on you mm -hmm. and just kind of, like, you take it and run with it, and you realize later how much Absolutely. it affects you. If you're if you're a history major at USF, and there there are you know a few other good professors myself, <laughs> but uh, obviously, but uh, no, if you're if you're a history major here, particularly if you do American history, you got to take a class with with Arsenault. I mean, it's it's an experience in and of itself, but also like his name opens doors. Oh wow! It, it literally does. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, when I got here as an undergrad, um, the first class I took with him was a class on American slavery. And you know, it, was a, it was a night class. There are actually a few graduate students in this class, so it was, it was a big deal um, to be in this class. Um, and so because like, as you go further and further along with, with, with your education, you find that most classes are gonna be at night and they're usually one day a week. And so during the break, for this class, you know, I was telling him all my hopes and dreams, sort of like what I'm, what I'm saying right now. And he's like, well, you need to learn French. <laughs> well, and I said, I don't want to learn French, so I, that's why I decided to do American history. Oh, so for a Napoleonic history, yeah. you would have had to, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That would so. have been interesting. I, like, honestly, I, I'm kind of biased towards Spanish just because I spent 12 years of my life learning Spanish. Yeah. So I think, um, I don't know what French is good for other than history. And speaking it, of course, I mean, like, I'm not... Well, it is the language of dip diplomacy. Um, okay. It, I, uh, I'm not sh It definitely was, historically speaking, I believe that's what they, they, they speak, like, like, in the European Union, like, between all the other countries, like, when they meet, or, like, in The Hague, or whatever. I, I'm, I'm not... Don't quote me on this now. Okay. And I'm... Not something like the expert I'm supposed to be, but um, yeah, I think they still speak French a lot over there. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I've been yeah. educated about <laughs> French. <laughs> so, anyways, so I, with that, like you graduate, you earn your PhD, like, woo, you've achieved yeah. lifelong dreams. So then, what happened after that? Yeah. So, well, let me let me back up a little bit further. Um, when I was when I was getting my PhD, um, you know the. The world of, of academia is changing, and you know, before I went in, I had this, you know, starry-eyed dreams of getting my, getting a tenure-track position someplace, mm -hmm. and 
while I was at Loyola, you know, you learn reality. <laughs> and the reality is, is that like tenure track positions, full-time positions are getting fewer and fewer and far, far between because, you know, they're great jobs. A full-time tenure track position, if you get tenure, you're, you're like a made man. Mm-hmm. Like an, you're like the godfather, you know? <laughs> so for like the listeners who don't know what tenure is, could you explain? Like- so basically tenure um, is, it goes, it goes back, way back to like practically the Middle Ages, okay? With the, way, oh with the way colleges were traditionally set up and run, like you'd get a professor and that would be like their lifelong vocation. And, and so as it, as it went along, you know, if you got a PhD, you were gonna be plugged into a university someplace and that was what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. And they just, they, they, that literally the word tenure relates to a lifelong position. Oh wow. Okay, so in, in, it takes basically an, an, an act of Congress for you to be fired from your position. You have to really like royally screw up bad in order to get fired from a tenure position. Um, it's not unheard of, mind you. You can be fired, but it's it's just it's very very difficult. Um, and so when I found out, like, because these are lifelong positions and people are are keeping them longer and longer and longer instead of retiring and living longer and longer and longer. Right. You know, the amount of, amount of, and, and the amount of these positions that are out there are shrinking. They're, they've been shrinking for a while. Um, and at the same time, schools are producing more and more and more and more PhDs, particularly in the humanities, because you know, going and getting your PhD is, is, is a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of all that, like, I almost decided to just not get my PhD. Mm-hmm. But because of, like, it was something that I, I had dreamed about getting my entire life, and I was in the program already, I was like, okay, we'll just, we'll just continue on, and I'll get my PhD, and that'll be great. And it was. Um, yeah, and I, I loved my, my time at Loyola. I kind of miss it from every now and then. Um, but uh, so when I, when I got my PhD, um, I decided that I wanted to come back to this area. I didn't want to be competing with a, a million other mofos, if I can say yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, for like a tenure track position in Fargo, North Dakota. Like who wants to live in Fargo? No offense to Fargo, anyways, mm-hmm. but like I've heard like people in North Dakota, at least like in service industries, get paid so much money because there's like nobody, nobody there to work. To yeah. No, I actually um, I've heard the same thing about Alaska as well. But um, I I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I still self-identify more as a Chicagoan than a Floridian, but. <laughs> Like, I remember my first winter back at Loyola, and like, before I, before the winter started, I was like, yeah, winter. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. I used to think stupid things like, you don't know you're alive unless you see the breath before your eyes. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, 
I, I got up there and in the first winter, I literally kept track of this. The sun did not shine for an entire month. An entire month. And, and I was like, and that was another reason why I almost quit. I was like, I, I don't know if I can take that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one year up there. I actually wasn't there as for this. I was, I was doing research for my dissertation in Washington, D.C. at the time. But one winter, they actually had thunder snow there. Now, if you're familiar with snow, like typically you don't hear thunder during no, snows, but it was such a it was such a fierce snowstorm that there was actually thunder, and that like there was like cars abandoned on Lakeshore Drive. Like, you can Google this. It was 2010. There's like pictures of snow, uh, snow uh, cars buried in snow, just like abandoned on Lakeshore Drive. It's it was. That like sounds, something apocalyptic, it was crazy. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Like I'm from Colorado and mm-hmm. I remember there was one year where we had a snow drift come in. Yeah. It was like seven feet high. Like it was yeah. taller than all my family members, like our van, like yeah. literally everything. And so as a kid, you think it's great because then, oh no school. And yeah. then, like you get to jump around. Like we could climb a snow pile that was above our fence line yeah. and into our backyard. It was the coolest thing ever and yeah. until it all melted. But you know, right. that's, that's a different story. Right. And it's just, like everything is dead during the winter. It's I mean it's cool when it all comes back alive, particularly like in the spring in Chicago when you get that first warm day and everybody's out and about and mm-hmm. there's a lot of energy in the city. It's really cool, but it's just it doesn't beat seventies and eighties in the winter. It just doesn't. <laughs> I you know I would agree. I'm. It's been a minute since I've been in Colorado, and like by a minute I mean thirteen years. So <laughs> I think that. Winter in Florida is probably my favorite. Like winter in general, just cooler weather. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I really enjoy that. Whenever summer comes around, though, here I get so angsty. <laughs> I'm just like, nobody should wake up sweating. Like, why <laughs> is this a thing? And just walking over from the coffee shop, yeah. like, yeah, just completely just drenched head to toe in sweat. But it's tough. That's Florida for you. So if you enjoy being eaten alive by mosquitoes the size of your face and uh, <laughs> like love bugs, <laughs> don't even get me started on love bugs. And just you know, sweating for no reason during yeah. this is all during the summer, of course. Winters are really nice here. Yeah, um, I'll give it that. But yeah. um, and it's also really flat. I recently just went to Pennsylvania, and there are mountains and hills everywhere, and like that's fun. But yeah. but still, winter trumps that down here. But yeah. so yeah, I wanted so I wanted to come back to this area, and you know, I because I had a relationship with with Arsenault, I you know I knew I could start adjuncting here. And then start making making a living for myself. Um, I had also started with a friend of mine from Loyola. Actually, two friends of mine. One of which is no longer with us. He's still alive, mind you. Oh, but, okay. Like, but he's no take. longer with 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 us. Uh, the company I started, which is a um, a history consulting firm. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. So we we do historical research for for anybody who wants to hire us. Um, for instance. Um, our first client, we, um, a, a friend of mine's uh, um, grandfather served in World War II. He was at Normandy, and he served on a landing craft. I want a little, if you've seen um, um, Saving Private Ryan in the beginning of the movie, you know, those boats that they land on right. the beach, not, those are called Higgins boats. Not one of those, because those were a dime a dozen, but like they had larger landing craft, and he served on one of those. Yeah. And they wanted us to find a picture of, of that boat. Um, we just completed a huge, well, half completed, I should say, because there's a second half to this project, which is for down the road. But um, we just completed uh, a huge family ancestry for um, another client, and 
right now uh, we're working for a law firm uh, to help uh, with an, an estate. There's 39 different applicants to as heirs to this estate, and we're basically doing building a family tree and like figuring out like how valid these people's claims are to um, to this estate. Wow, I can only so. imagine if you tried to do that with like the Kardashians, that'd be an interesting case. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, well, that sounds super fascinating. I like so. Are these the kind of jobs that historians, like straight out of college, can get? Or? Well, it it depends on how creative you are. For me, like, like I said earlier, I have a passion for all of history. I had to, I had to pigeonhole myself to get my my PhD because that's what they expect out of you, and you know, and working as an academic historian, you know, you basically teach in your specialties, mm-hmm. and there's there's nothing wrong with that, you know, um, but I just I love all of history. I've I've literally studied history my entire life. Like most of most kids, I don't know what other kids would check out from libraries when they were in school, but I would always check out history books. You know, mm-hmm. I would just basically clear out the section in my school library, and I've been through all those. So, like, it's 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 deep. My passion is deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and I wanted to be able to do other kinds of history other than just like what my my PhD is in, which is American history, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and this, doing doing this company affords me the opportunity to do that, so. That's awesome. Yeah. What'd you say that you, like there's a certain type of person, because obviously you have so much passion for history. Would you say that people who are looking to go get a degree in history should have the same sort of passion? Not necessarily like, no, since they were like 13, they wanted to you yeah. know, get a PhD, but like, is it, do you find that more like introverts, or I always ask this question, like introverts versus extroverts mm-hmm. in the field, you know, because some fields require you to talk to a lot of people and maybe that's like something that you can do. And for the person who is like completely terrified of public speaking, like, mm-hmm. is that gonna be a hindrance to the kind of jobs that you want? So yeah. usually I ask that question, is like introverts versus extroverts, or is it kind yeah. of a mix of both that you find are successful? Well, let me, let me turn around this way. So when I was in school, both as an undergrad and as a grad student, I tell people I'm a history major, essentially. It's a little bit more complicated when you become a grad student, but um, you tell people you're a history major, and what do you think the first person, or first thing people tell you, or- What do you do with that, or like how do you make money, or- Or even more specifically, they'll say, Oh, you want to be a teacher? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. that is the... Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, I got to the point, well, getting that question is over and 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 over, and over, and over again, mm-hmm. that I just be like, no, you know, I'm thinking about rocket science, you know, and, and just sort of working for NASA. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I wanted to teach um, at the college level, and that's something I always wanted to do, and I think... To a certain degree, you have to be an extrovert to 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 do that sort of thing, particularly if you want to engage your students in 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 any kind of way. But whether you're an introvert or extrovert or not, and I, I could quote so many cliches about this, but you need to have passion for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you have passion for what you're doing, work is work, but it's not going to seem so burdensome. 
you know, mm -hmm. like what other job can I have where I can just, I, I get paid to go and talk about history all the time, you know, it's, there's not many out there like that. There are other, other avenues though for, for, you know, if you're an introvert or extrovert, like a, a few of my colleagues when I was at Loyola, um, you know, they would, we would talk about what we want to do after we get our, our degrees. And not all of them wanted to teach, you know. Some of them just wanted, you know, get a position at a university and just do, be paid to do research the rest of their life. And there are jobs out there like that. Um, Most of which I've heard are at, like, really prestigious, like, libraries. Because I know there's... There's libraries, yeah. Mm -hmm. there's, but there's certain schools that, like, that they'll reduce your teaching load to practically nothing if, if you know, the position is, is like that. And they'll just have you do research, you know. Um, and there, you know, people who want that kind of thing. Um, there's also a new, uh, a newer, I should say, trend in history. Which, actually, when I when I went to Loyola, I was dual enrolled in their American history and what is called public history program. So public history is basically like, like museum work, um, working for the Park Service, the National Park Service. Um, you could do guided tours of like historic districts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could be like me and, and you know, do consulting, um, you know, things like that. The point is, is like, there's more to doing just history, or there's more to doing history than just becoming a teacher. Right. Uh, a lot of a lot of um, history majors, if you don't go on to grad school, that you you become a paralegal, because paralegals essentially do research, you know, and um, you know, you, law firms need people to do do research for them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, if you like to research and you're an introvert and don't want to teach and you love history, there are there are there's a career path for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I, it's so fascinating to see different avenues for people to take. And I like I didn't discover for graphic design because that's my major right mm -hmm. now is um, how many different areas you can go to because the one question everybody asks me is like, oh, well, you're an art major. So like, how are you going to live off your salary? And I just like, yeah. I have to keep my eyes from rolling to the back of my head, <laughs> like be polite and just like, listen, okay, well. I'm not possessed. Yeah. I just like, get that question all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you know, walking into an Outback Steakhouse, you see menus, you see advertising, you yeah. see the way that somebody had to, like, lay out that one, like, podium where it tells you, oh, the hostess will be with you there, right, so, like, yeah. in a second. That's graphic design. You know, I could go work for Outback Steakhouse tomorrow, designing yeah. all the mail and coupons that they put out, or I can work for a scientific firm in Antarctica, you know, like, design uh. is everywhere that's, like, you know, it'd be freezing. But, um, you know, I, you see signs everywhere. Like, I could go work for the Division of Transportation working on the signs that you see every single day, which, mm -hmm. by the way, I'm pretty sure, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm probably going to get so many comments on this. Uh -huh. I think, I want to say, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to say it because I'm going to have to look <laughs> this up. I was like, I was going to try and see, like, what if I can name what font or what typeface the... Uh, the, si the road Comic Sans. Oh gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't, well, everybody cringes at Comic Sans. It's like it's a font. It's well, here's okay. Here's, here's the font. thing about Comic Sans. 
it's it's I think it's so popular because it's just the butt of the joke always. <laughs> like and it will forever be like that one terrible font everybody hates. But I think the reason why people hate Comic Sans so much is because the guy made so much money off of it. <laughs> like wait, wait, a guy made money off of Comic Sans? Yes. And it's ridiculous because <laughs> it's like I think the and this is something I'll have to like look up because I'm gonna get so much black if I get this wrong. But I think it was a typeface designed to look more childish. Mm -hmm. And so it almost looks like somebody took a marker, drew out something really quick, and then like scanned it, live traced it mm -hmm. in Illustrator. And for those of you who aren't design nerds, live trace is a great tool in Illustrator, but like sometimes it has its faults. It makes a lot of things really janky and I like will take your word for that. Yeah, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes. But it's really helpful if you need like a vector of a turtle in like two <laughs> seconds. It's great, but for a type of know what that means. I, <laughs> vectors are just uh, like I'll, I like educating people. Educating people. I hate <laughs> There's a new word. Educate. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Uh, You're doing great. Yeah, thanks. Um, vectors. 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 Yeah, they're uh, basically in Illustrator. Um, it's an it's actually a mathematical based um, image. So, you know, like if you were working in Photoshop, you're working with pixels. So like if you take a picture, it's so many pixels and you know, the data is stored in each of those little pixels. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> well hey, you're learning something new. And uh, for listeners, like they're learning something new too. So when you take said picture and you try to make it really, really big, mm -hmm. what happens? It looks bad. Yeah, it looks really blurry. Yeah. Um, and so that's because you can only make it so big until the resolution starts going to crap. Right. So what a vector is, is a vector is a shape or a combination of shapes or a path that is based in mathematics where you can scale it as small as a postage stamp or you can blow it up as big as the Empire State Building. And cool. still maintain like the crisp lines and everything. So that's why most logos are made in illustrators because they want them to be vectors because you know they have to go on a lot of different things. Okay. Um, so rather than just making it in Photoshop or something like that. So there you go. That's what a that's what right. vector is. So you can go there's a reason I'm a historian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's research on yeah, yeah. on graphic design. Cool. But um, yeah. So there there's so many options for jobs, and I didn't yeah. I didn't get that information until my junior year here in yeah. college and like my dad made me research a lot about graphic design before I went off to school and uh, cool. yeah so I think that that's super fascinating well, how there's something for everybody in history. You know I, if I can like kind of go off that and, and rail against something popular right now I, I saw um, the new Wonder Woman movie. Mm -hmm. It's an okay movie okay. I, I'm I, along with my love of history. I'm a big movie buff, and it kind of like I combined those two passions when I did my dissertation. Mm -hmm. I can hear the rotten tomatoes being thrown already. <laughs> uh, well, okay. The story, like as a story, mm -hmm. is fine. Okay, but I don't know, and this is total history nerd speak here. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know why they had to set it during World War One. Okay. Now, a little history lesson here. Um, Wonder Woman was uh, came out uh, just a little bit before World War Two. So already they're like, I don't. I, I just don't understand why they're setting it during World War One. Okay. Um, 
A fun fact, though, the guy who invented, the guy <laughs> who invented <laughs> Wonder Woman also invented uh, the uh, polygraph test. Really? Yeah. What? So, you know, the, the they put the, the band around you, so it was mm-hmm. like inspiration for the lasso of truth or whatever the thing was called. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, weird fun fact there. But um, so here's Wonder Woman. It's World War One, And like she... The, the, um, spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen the movie, but mm-hmm. like, she goes off to, to, to attempt to kill Ares, the Greek god of the war. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And she's convinced that the person who is Ares is uh, one of the members of the German High Command, who they actually picked a real person, a real historical person, his name is uh, Baron von Ludendorff. Um, I think it was a baron. I, my memory might be tailing me there, but Ludendorff was his last name. This person actually existed. Him and Hindenburg, Hindenburg um, of blimp fame, um, <laughs> they, uh, um, they were the two generals who basically ran the German war effort. Now, they make Ludendorff out to be like some weird, like, like, enhanced super person mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like it's like just the strangest thing to, to watch mm-hmm. because like by the end of the war the guy was, was he lost his marbles mm-hmm. he, he's clinically insane oh wow and his, his son had died in the last year of the war and he just he just lost it mm-hmm. you know it was a big reason why they, they, the Germans ended up surrendering is because the, their high command just they, they couldn't they couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and like the, <laughs> there's a big idea that like if they just invent this new kind of poison gas, it'll continue the war effort and the Germans will win the war. And it's like. <laughs> Sounds like we didn't have a historian on uh, on site for no, the movie. No, no, and then like there's just a ton of little things like the the scenes in the trenches where you see like all the Allied troops mixed together, and, it, and that didn't happen. It's just like, and it doesn't necessarily ruin my enjoyment of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's just like history. This is something I, I want to say in general. Real history is far, far more interesting than people give it credit for. Because, like, when you hear history, automatically your eyes just glaze over. It's like, uh, uh. But, like, how interesting is it that when, when I told you that, like, the person who invented the polygraph test is the same person who came up with the character of Wonder Woman. I'm not gonna lie, like, that's pretty dope. That's an interesting story, right? Mm-hmm. Real history is is interesting. It's not just. I always tell my students before on the first day of every class, history is not just memorizing dates. That's what the common misconception. So many people think it. Then it's like, oh, I just gotta go in. Oh, the signing declaration was in the Declaration of Independence of seventeen seventy six. Christopher Columbus came here. Ocean like, blue, yeah. fourteen ninety two. All these things. Now, 
dates are important, you should know these things, but history is not, is not the, the memorization of dates. History is understanding why things happened in the past. And why things happen is a million times more interesting than 1776. <laughs> I would agree wholeheartedly with that because I know, I think like not enough people give history credit maybe because it was ruined for them early on. Like with, and most people who meet me know that I have an issue with Common Core and like different teaching styles that are emerging right now and like testing and how people are mm -hmm. teaching to a certain syllabus and for people to who prepare aren't for a test. Right, you know, like it's, it's stupid. There's yeah. no reason why we should have to test this much because it takes away the creative freedom of the professors and yeah, the exactly. teachers. And so I think like their passion for history or for math like can't really shine through if they have to filter it through all this junk of like, okay, well, like, Pythagorean's theorem is like... A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Right. I know that one. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, like, truly, I have to say that, and this isn't just because I'm a graphic design major, like, my, ma my dad is, by every definition of the word, a mathematician. Like, mm -hmm. this man, it can do, like, algebraic expressions in his head. <laughs> and I'm like... I kind of envy that kind How? of brain. <laughs> I, yeah, and I, you know, like I, I would always feel bad because I didn't, I don't have that hardwiring. Like I'm mm -hmm. not, I can do math, but I, I'm not the person that's just like, oh my gosh, let me sit down and like figure this problem out. After like three or four tries, I'm like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. it's, that's it. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's hardwired to do something different. And I think that the sooner people like embrace whatever they're good at instead of trying to be good at something for whether it's money or recognition or mm -hmm. like I don't know what else like girls maybe like <laughs> that's the thing Whatever floats your boat, I guess. yeah so I mean like the sooner that you kind of recognize what you're good at and kind of doubling down on those yeah. and instead of trying to like polish up your weaknesses and make them seem like yeah. you know they're the shit Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, if they're, if they're personality weaknesses, you probably want to fix those. Mm -hmm. But if it's something like you're not good at drawing and all of a sudden you want to be an artist because, like, I don't know, you get laid. Like, which isn't really a thing. Like, everybody is super, <laughs> like, introverted. I don't know why this is a thing, but, I mean, who knows? I, that's Wait, just my experience. You say people want to become... Uh, artists after they get laid? No, because they probably will get. Because like they oh, see super okay, like okay. mysterious and like angsty and just like I I don't know I. <laughs> it's true. Like I I have so many friends, and it's 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 the weirdest thing ever. I don't get it. I'm like whatever. Okay, cool. They become artists because they think it'll get them laid. Yeah. Interesting. So don't do that. Like. Well, I don't know what 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 what. what being a historian will do for you in that regard. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's like, well, you see Napoleon here. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. Yeah, but it, it, you, you have to, I think there's a lot to be said about what you just said about um, figuring out what it is that you want to do. Um, I've seen a lot of students come to college and they just, they don't know what they want to do. And they're just here taking classes and like it sounds harsh, but essentially they're just wasting time mm -hmm. and money. Yeah. yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, and you know, there historically speaking, there are a lot of people out there who 
have not gotten college educations and have become wildly successful in whatever it is that they choose to do. Mm -hmm. Not that you shouldn't get in it with college education if that's what you want to do, but there, there's more to life than what happens on college campus. 100%. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think that essentially it's okay to not know exactly what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the difference between those who do know what they want to do early on and those who don't is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So those people who really take the time to get to know who they are as a person, the way that they think, the way that they function, like I know that, which is, I totally forgot to mention, like the color test that mm. we like took. Um, yeah, what was that all about? Yeah, well, okay, so that's, um, I By actually- way, I'm not a big fan of such things because I, I don't like to be categorized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to be put in a box. I know. Don't label me. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, so the reason why I have my guests take that test and why I take that test is not necessarily to put myself in a box, but to kind of like, almost use it as a tool to understand how I think. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I actually, I personally know the guy who created it, um, yeah. Marcus Seda. He's the coolest person ever, um, aside from you, of course. Oh, um, Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so it's there to really kind of, and again, like he'll tell you the same thing is, you know, it's not meant to be super scientific like the Myers-Briggs, like there's mm -hmm. no super hardcore, you know, evidential, like scientific facts backing it up. Um, you know, it just, it helps people understand themselves. And so like for me, I'm a blue and a yellow. So if you guys are new here and you don't know what that means, um, blue is basically the person who's super energetic and like they love hanging out with friends, they love having a good time, they love going and, um, you know, like they're always down to hang out with people, they're always down to be the life of the party. Mm -hmm. And to me, that, that's totally me. Like mm -hmm. that's obviously why I'm hosting this podcast, so I can hang out with a bunch of really cool people, but also like add value to listeners. Mm -hmm. um, but then I'm also a yellow, which is the more reserved, like I don't wanna say sensitive, because sensitive is kind of like taken in a negative context, I guess. So sensitive. It's just, uh, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, like I'm not bipolar, like, but I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive <laughs> to like what people, like people's feelings, like I don't like to step on a lot of toes, mm -hmm. you know, I'm very considerate of others. Um, and so that just kind of like helps explain certain behaviors. So like- I forget what I got. Was it, I think you I said- I don't remember. You selected three actually, and I was I, just I selected like, three, I remember that, but <laughs> I know. But like the thing was, is like two of them were tied. Oh really? So, yeah, so okay. I was like, well, what do I do here? I guess I'll just select just all three. Just all of them. I think, <laughs> I think yours might have been blue, green, and yellow, which would make I, I well, and this is a really I'll cool take your thing. word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think green. So for green, you don't know is like super analytical and mm -hmm. like you analyze a bunch of facts. That's what you do for a living. So you know um, they're very calculated. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we already went through blue and yellow. So mm -hmm. I mean, like having a mixture of all four is like all this. Like I'm competitive sometimes, which is red and. Uh, but you usually have two that stand out the most. Yeah. And so I usually, that, and that's like my only goal is to help people relate to other people or maybe have another avenue yeah. to kind of say like, oh, you know, like, well, he's a blue and a yellow and I'm kind of a blue and a yellow. So yeah. maybe like, this is kind of a field that I could do, but it's yeah. not like, again, Myers-Briggs. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was one that was, that stood out higher than, than the others, but then like there was the other two tied. Mm -hmm. And so like, I didn't know um, I didn't know what to do, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I, I think knowing yourself is, is important. Um, you know, 
was thinking of some other like general skills for not just taking history classes, but like college in general. Like, I didn't really learn good study skills, like good solid study skills, mm. until I was in my last year taking classes at the PhD level. Jeez. Seriously, like I, I just got by on just my my knowledge, mm -hmm. you know. I remember once, and hopefully Arson don't ever hear this again. <laughs> but, and, and this is a terrible thing to do, boys and girls, so don't, don't do this, but my first year in grad school, taking, being in the Florida Studies program here, I had a, a, a seminar class with Arsenault, and I waited until the night before a 25-page research paper no. was due in order to write it. I'm already getting anxiety hearing this story. Like, it, it was the worst night of my life. Wow. And, and maybe not the worst night of my life, but it was awful. Mm. Like, I, I stayed up all night writing, and now, 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 like, 25 pages, that's nothing, but, um, but, like, I had all my research, like, laid out on the floor. Oh, wow. All right? All these articles that I'd print up and, and, um, you know, stack of books next to me, and I just, like, and I just wrote all night long, and I don't remember what I got on that paper, but the point is, it's like, Procrastination is a terrible thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so bad. It's terrible. And like, I used to be the worst procrastinator. Mm -hmm. And I never study. And if I had studied, I would have. I would have done ten times better than what I did. Um, not that I'm regretting anything. Right. right now, yeah. But like, I could have done better. Mm -hmm. So um, what like helped you overcome becoming a procrastinator? Like just. I just like. What I would, what I would do is I'd I'd see my friends and my colleagues, who, I wouldn't necessarily classify as procrastinators, mm -hmm. but like, especially in grad school, they would just constantly be taking incompletes. Yeah. You know because they just weren't satisfied with their paper or whatever, so they they would take an incomplete and like finish it later. An incomplete is when you just kind of like. You just like you haven't finished all the work for the class and mm -hmm. the and. It's not, it's not necessarily something that can automatically be granted to you if you don't do all the, all your all work, the work in the yeah. class. Like, you could, like, if you just like, just don't do the work and then like come to the professor at the end of the semester, like, I want it incomplete. And like, they're not gonna give it to you. There has to be extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, and for these people, they're just like, well, you know, I wasn't satisfied with my paper yet, so I, I wanted to turn in. And, Sometimes they'll let you do that. Sometimes they won't. Um, I I never liked that concept because like you're just adding more work later on. Right. So my last year taking classes because okay when you do a PhD you're in the class for like your first two years you're you're taking classes and then the rest of the time you're you're doing your field exams and you're preparing for your dissertation you're writing and stuff like that so you're not like my it took me seven years to. to get my PhD and only two of those was in the classroom. Wow. So, yeah. That um, takes dedication. <laughs> yeah. So, my last year taking classes, I, and this is at the PhD level, everybody, okay? So, if I can do it at the PhD level, you can do it as an undergrad, okay? <laughs> um, I did all my reading and wrote all my papers in the first month of 
every semester. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, the, that month was, was terrible. I didn't go anywhere or do anything, you know? Um, and I'm talking research papers again, 20, 25 page research papers, taking three classes. I know you crazy undergrads take five, six classes anymore, and I just don't understand that, but you know. It's true. Yeah, but still I would compare three classes at the PhD level to doing, you know, five classes at, you know, undergrad level. No offense, no offense. Um, no offense meant anyways. If you take offense, and there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> but, um, and I'd write all three papers for all my classes. And, oh, and by the way, we also read a book a week. So I would read all my books, do all my papers within the first month, and I would just coast through the rest of the semester. Doesn't that feel great? And it, it's amazing. It is so nice. I would just be lounging around my apartment, watching movies, not doing anything, you know, just enjoying life, going to movies, whatever, right? And it was so nice. It was so nice. And, and I wish I had done that throughout my entire college career. Because, like, I could have read so many more books. I could have done so much more. You know, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. <laughs> so, <coughs> nice. is that... that if you if you buckle down and and early on in every semester and do that sort of thing, you can have a much richer and more fulfilling college life than you can ever possibly imagine. And that's not even like professor speak. Like that for me as a student right now, I kind of like I am the queen of eighty sevens and eighty eights right now in mm -hmm. all of my classes. So I I probably have maybe out of the 20, 30s or so classes I've taken so far, like I would say a good 60% of them are like almost A's. Mm -hmm. And I think that I don't really regret not getting an A just mm -hmm. because I know for me to get that A, something would have had to been sacrificed, whether it was my job at the time, whether mm -hmm. it was you know that extra time I needed to um, like finish that project and make it look really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest commodity we have is time. Mm -hmm. And I think that in college, a lot of people mistakenly take their time um, for granted. Yeah. Just because, you know, there's more to college than just writing papers mm -hmm. and, you know, doing research. And it's more life in general. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that the biggest disservice somebody can do to themselves during their college career is only focus on school. Yeah. And usually that only happens if, A, you're usually a perfectionist who's you're probably valedictorian or salutatorian at your school mm -hmm. no offense to you guys um but like you know you're, you're so focused on getting an a because you want to make your parents happy you want to feel good about yourself you want mm -hmm. that pat on the back mm -hmm. um you know you miss out on so many opportunities to go out with your friends you know mm -hmm. experience life and i don't mean just like going to frat parties all the time i mean like going out and truly meeting people here? we don't have like fraternities or sororities, which honestly is part of the reason why I chose this campus. So. <laughs> but like, you know, I and I'm trying to speak to a lot of different college cultures because I know USFSP is very different. Like mm -hmm. it's an anomaly of a campus. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that a lot of people just kind of like they, they veg out. And mm -hmm. this is not the time to just sit back and play it cool and think you made it. Mm -hmm you have to go and network your face off. And mm -hmm. I, networking is also another term that like people get triggered about. 
Is that why you don't have a face? It's really <laughs> so, I mean, like, uh, people just have to, like, go meet new people. Like, I'm at this one place downtown called Station House, which is a co-work space. Mm -hmm. Love it. It's so nice. If you guys are in St. Pete and, you know, always plug, hashtag, you know, whatever. The bird. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Station House, what's nice about it is that you get to meet new people all the time. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, for this podcast series, <clears throat> I was thinking to myself two days before, like, I started the first episode. I'm like, I don't have equipment. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to use my iPhone because, you know, it's I'm not going to drop $500 on stuff that, you know, like, obviously it would be nice to have, but mm -hmm. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, for something that's not making me money yet, yet, and I'm not <laughs> in it for the money either. Like, I just think this is really fun. Um, but I literally was walking past somebody who was setting up like lighting in a room mm -hmm. and I was like no they look pretty interesting and yeah. I was in a mood to meet somebody new and uh, I was like okay well then how can I seem not weird and like ask them you know all these it's questions. gonna be weird either way just talk to them I mean it's only awkward if you make it awkward so yeah. that's my philosophy Whatever. but um I went and I asked about the lights you know that's not weird like I'm a graphic design major I do photography sure. so you know like I just went in and asked them like hey this is a really random question that right there, like that quote, like this is a really random question, mm -hmm. that will get you so far in life Yeah. in terms of meeting new people. So if you're absolutely terrified or have a bunch of anxiety about meeting people, start start with that. 99% of the time, people will not turn you down, yeah. you know, or like if you let people talk about themselves for a little while, like they'll usually return the favor and be like, okay, well, more about you. And then, you know, yada, 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 you become friends 20 years later, you're at each other's wedding. But um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, just, I asked about the lights and I, at the very end, after he was talking, he's a TV host mm -hmm. um, and he goes all over the world and he interviews people, which I think is super cool. Um, at the very end of it, I thought you know, to myself, okay, well, he, he might have some experience. Let me, I'm just casually throw this out there, but I'm starting a podcast. And instantly, his eyes lit up. He's like, I have podcasting equipment that I don't use. Do you want it? And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> you're telling me that you have $100 worth of podcasting equipment that's just sitting in your garage, not doing anything, and you're just going to give it to me? And he's like, well, you said you're a graphic design major. So, I mean, like, if you want it, like, down the road, if I need a logo, like, or just something, like, really quick, would you, like, want to do kind of, like, a trade? I was just like... Heck yeah, you know, like you're a student, it's better than paying money, like using your skills to kind of like do something like that. So learn a skill that mm -hmm. might help you out later in life. But uh, just that came from saying hi to somebody. Yeah, yeah. So and Conversations will open doors. Um, I think there's also something to be said about um, what you value. Like yeah. if, um, you know, in terms of time, like if, like, okay, you go into a class, and everybody wants an A, right? right? Everybody wants an A. Trust me, everybody wants an A. Um, and if you value that A, you have to understand that you have to put in the work to get an A. Mm -hmm. And it's not, the, 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 to get that A, it's not gonna depend on whether or not you think <laughs> you put in the work right. to get the A. It's gonna depend on whether or not the professor, like me, <laughs> thinks that you put in the work to get an A. I, like, I, was, I had another student, I'm not gonna get into too many specifics, but I had a student at another school that I teach for that 
just expected me to give him a certain grade when he was several points off of getting that grade. And I was like, I'm not, I'm sorry, but this is this is the grade you got. And so like, and I brought value because like, okay, there's things that you do in your life that you value and you place different values on different things that you do. And you know, um, wherever your heart lies, uh, there, there will be your treasure. That's the saying, mm-hmm. it's biblical. Um, and, you know, there, that's where you'll put your time and your effort in. And whatever else you're doing with your life, if you don't value it as much, you're not going to get as much out of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you go into a class and you're only going to put in a certain amount of time and effort into it, and you're expecting to get an A... <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not gonna exactly work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just it doesn't matter from a professor's point of view. It doesn't really matter um, what you do um, and how you do your work. I mean, it's, it's disappointing the the students that we we get that don't put in the time and effort that we would we would like because we would like believe it or not we would like to give everybody A's. Um, but like, um, if you don't put in the time and the effort to get that A, it, it's going to be disappointing for us, but it's really, it's no skin off of our backs, right. you know, it, it's just, we're, we're doing our jobs, you know, um, and generally speaking, from my experience, at least I'll, I'll, I'll speak from, for me and, and not anybody else, but we don't treat anybody differently, you know? If you get an A, you get an A. If you get a B, you get a B. If you get a C, you get a C. You know, it's it's just the way the world works. You know, so I don't know. How did I get on that tangent? No, but tangents are sometimes the best. They uh, can put you on certain life lessons you didn't know you were going to learn. Yeah. But I think that too. There's like you said. There's no like the world likes to make us think getting an A mm-hmm. is going to make you more valuable mm-hmm. in life. And that really depends. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who has the mental capacity to get an A while also networking and getting a really nice job and just, you know, it's all about people you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're capable of doing that, like you will be like and if it's what if you're doing it in what you love, you will be a happy individual. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be yeah. successful and successful success is a very like subjective term. So I try yeah. not to say like, oh, you'll be a success at doing this and that, but <clears throat> like truly if you think you're a success then so you are yeah and I think a lot of things is that we're not letting go of the mentality that school is everything like you mentioned earlier before there's a lot of people who don't go to school or who drop out or who mm-hmm. don't have the best grades who are massively successful mm-hmm. and I think that really has to do with the fact that we have the internet mm-hmm. and the fact that it's getting now to a point where it's maturing and there's so much opportunity like my younger brother you know he's he hates school mm-hmm. and I don't blame him because he is a very smart individual and he really loves learning but the subject matter <clears throat> oh, excuse me, that he's learning doesn't interest him mm-hmm. and so he doesn't want to put his time through there so sometimes you'll see his grades going on like this wild roller coaster of a ride from like an A to like a D and then it goes back up to a B and then you know it usually coasts there for the rest of the semester but I don't necessarily think he'll jump into college straight away and that's mm-hmm. college isn't for everybody and I know it's not an excuse to tell your parents, like, you know, oh, I just don't want to go. <laughs> like, it's a legitimate thing. Like, if you aren't 
Like, don't let anybody ever, like, pressure you into going to school if you don't want to. And if you have a plan afterwards of, like, you know, maybe you want to go to a vocational school. Maybe you want to go get an apprenticeship, which sounds really formal for, like, you know, you go and learn from somebody else. Yeah. You know, you learn a craft. I think that you have to do some kind of work, like, yeah. to better yourself and to better, like, the skills that you've been given. But it's kind of just, like, you know, you don't have to go to school. You that's, don't have to. That's 100% correct. Yeah, or, you know, and don't feel like you're... You're, if you're a college dropout, you're less valuable than the person who got a yeah. PhD. And that's and that's that's a lot. That, uh, society puts a lot of pressure, I think, on, on people to go to college, because um, you know there's the cliches. Oh, you know, I want. Yeah, I've I've seen in like so many like classes, like especially online classes. I teach a lot of online classes for other schools. You you, you do these introductions and people are like. Wanted to come to college to, to better my career and make more money, and it's like okay, you know, the, there's and there's all these statistics out there to say you know college grads typically earn more money than non-college grads. Fine, you know, but like going, I, I submit to you that going to college just to earn more money in your career is not the best reason to go to college. For sure, because it. You already need cost a, enough money, like to go. You, yeah, you need a different plan like that. Like if if you're, like say you're you're, um, um, what would be a good example? Um, say you're you're some kind of salesman, let's say, mm -hmm. um, and your boss tells you, boy, you know, if you got a bachelor's degree in business, I would give you a promotion. That's a that's a that's a reason to go. Mm -hmm. But just to go in and say, well, I want to go to college, earn more money. That's not a career path. You right. Know? That's and you're gonna get to college and you're just gonna flail around and you're not gonna know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And what we want we want you to know what you're doing. Yeah, because again, it's expensive, guys. Yeah. If you didn't know, college is expensive. Yeah, it's heard, so expensive. Heard tell of that rumor. <laughs> yeah, I and it's. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So this is also a good opportunity to uh, talk about like scholarships, at least from my end, because I know for those of you who don't know my story, I uh, basically my senior year of high school, my parents sat me down and they're like, "We've always wanted you to go to college. We know you want to go to college and get out of this town. Uh, we can't afford to send you, so find a way, or I guess you're not going." But like you still gonna have to like get out of the house. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I guess this is fine. So I literally, and not figurative, literally, I applied to twenty different scholarships. I received four, and that has paid for the entirety of my college awesome. education. Yeah. And a lot of people get overwhelmed and they're like, well, I have no idea where to start. I don't want to write the essays. Let me let me introduce this back to you guys. How many of you have written an essay mm. and received $3,000 for that essay? Where else are you going to find a payout of $500 for an hour of work that you do? Mm -hmm. No, that's unheard of. Yeah. And so that's legit. That, that's what I did. I wrote one essay this one time because they, my school was pretty good. They put out a list monthly of scholarships, and they're usually local. So there's one that was for our county where like X number of schools within that county could apply to. Mm -hmm. I turn in my essay and 
about a month later, my guidance counselor comes back to me. She's like, oh, you won. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, how much was it? Because she literally just told me about it. And I was like, all right, whatever. Um, and she was like, oh, it's $500. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And she's like, you're the only one applied. So you won it by default. I was like, oh, shoot. OK. I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh. My gosh. And the nice thing about this is there's two different kinds of scholarships, or at least the ways they reward it. One, they put your name and the university's name on it, just so that that goes through the university to pay tuition and stuff like that. And yeah. The other ones, usually what happens with like the mom and pop shops is they just write a check straight to you. Yeah. And they're like, use it for school stuff. And yeah. I literally went to Bed Bath and Beyond with my mom. <laughs> and I was like, I need this. I need that, I need that, I need this, and I put it on the cart, and I paid for it with a check, and that was it. Like, That's great. So I think that it's hard work, but again, where are you going to get $500 for writing 500 words? That's a dollar a word. There's yeah. literally nowhere else. Like, the biggest scholarship I got, 250 words. The process for the application took me maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. It's, the avenues for funding are, are, are out there. Um, when I was an undergrad, I had um, Bright Futures. Mm -hmm. um, I had Bright Futures. Yeah. And uh, I had another little um, scholarship from King's Furniture, actually. Nice. Um, I might have something else. Uh, I will say that um, I, uh, okay, when I, when I did the Florida Studies program, um, I, I had an assistantship. Which, when you, when you get to grad school, um, assistantships are the name of the game. Um, unfortunately, when I went to Loyola, that was pretty much all loans. So, oh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, it's. Is grad school expensive? Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> well, at a private Catholic school like where I went to for oh, my PhD. <laughs> um, but it's scary, like in terms of how much money that you owe at the end, but there are repayment programs. There are income-driven repayment programs out there that will, um, that that make life a lot easier in terms of paying mm -hmm. your uh, your student loans back. Um, and I'm on one of those right now, so it's, it's manageable. Mm -hmm. If it's not too much, like, personally to ask, like how, like, how long has it, or like, how long do you have until you repay off what you owe? Um, well, if I stay on the current path that I'm on right now, I will have it paid off in seven years from now. Oh, so that's not even that bad. Yeah, it's it's a special income. Now, I won't have paid it all off, mm -hmm. um, but it's a special income-driven repayment program where like, they, they base your payments based on your income from year to year. Mm -hmm. You have to submit this annoying paperwork every, every time. But, mm -hmm. um, and, and because I work for nonprofit organizations because you know schools are considered nonprofit organizations. Are you serious? Yeah. What? It's well USF is a public university. And also I, I, I teach online for St. Leo University and technically it's a it's a private Catholic school, but because they take government funding for, for financial aid, right. they're considered nonprofit. Oh okay. So um, yeah and because I, I, I work for nonprofits um, it uh, there's a special program where you pay, make your payments for ten years, and whatever's left over, they forgive. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, that's definitely an option. I know. It's not the best option. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's usually what kills you is interest. If you don't, 
like if you go into college and you get, you know, I think the average is thirty-one to thirty-two thousand dollars, which mm -hmm. is a lot of money, mind you. Like that's mm -hmm. an entire year salary. Mm -hmm. Like that's money. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that not too many students can wrap their head around just how much money that is. Mm -hmm. Like if I put that into how many like McDoubles you could buy with that, I think people <laughs> would be a little more like, oh shoot, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that like people don't understand. Like I so fun like fun story, kind of. My dad, his best friend, mm -hmm. has a daughter. Mm -hmm. She went to law school at UF. And I forget where she got her undergrad from, but someplace, you know, like a public university. Mm -hmm. She graduated with $200,000 worth of debt. And, yeah. it, you know, like when you're in school, you don't think about the aftermath of like, what does that mean for me? Her payments, like just her payments alone, I don't think it was including interest, were $800 a month. Yeah. yeah. $800. Like now, that's three times my rent right now. <laughs> well, okay, but... Do you know any more specifics about it? Like, is she on a, like, a repayment program um, or? I don't know if there's a specific payment plan that she's on. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, the, the moral of the story is that $800 a month is one bill. Yeah. It's not including, you know, the bills she has to pay for rent or oh, her yeah. car. You know, like, she had to move to Fort Lauderdale to live with her grandmother because she couldn't afford to buy an apartment. And yeah. Yeah. she was still driving her college car. You know, she couldn't upgrade. Yeah. And I think that people graduating with that much debt, like my dad himself, like when I was considering being a graphic designer, I wanted to go Savannah College of Art and Design, or SCAD as a lot of people know it. And um, that would have been 200 grand as well for mm -hmm. four years. And they only gave me, I think like five grand a year yeah, and I, yeah, so you know, I was talking about it because I did go to their summer program, uh, and I, that was really helpful in like letting me know that graphic design was something that I wanted to do. Um, kind of expensive, but we made it work. My aunt made a deal with me, and so it, um, I was able to get out there. But I came back and I was talking about it with my dad one day, and um, I was talking about it like as if it was still going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. And he, we were getting Chinese food. I remember this really specifically, yeah. and we're in the car. And I'm talking about it, and he just cuts me off, and he looks at me, and he's like, I am never going to let you take out that many loans. You're not going. And, you know, you have, like, kind of, like, that moment of you're like, but, Dad, like, why? You know, like, it's my dream. And I think I had enough sense to kind of just, like, shut my mouth and just listen to his words of wisdom. Because parents, like, obviously anybody who's older than you kind of <laughs> has, like, a lot of wisdom that they can share with you. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually valid. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give the, the leeway for the couple times where, you know, adults are wrong. Like, I'll admit, like, I'm wrong a lot of times, so, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think that I can go back and I can give my dad a hug and be like, listen, like, that was the best decision you ever could have, like, made for me. Um, just because entry-level graphic designers make 32000 a year, and that's not even going to put a dent. And, like, living... Beneath your means because you want to is one thing. Living beneath your means because you have to is a completely different ballgame. So, and I don't think a lot I of like people that. understand that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been a really fun episode. We got a lot of stuff <laughs> in it. But um, we have this really cool uh, surprise round called the rapid all fire right, round. All right, let's go. So, all right. So here, the, uh, here are the rules. All right. You get 
um, not necessarily two words to answer, but like super quick, like I'm just gonna fire off maybe like five questions okay. and then first thing that comes to mind. Sure. Um, and then afterwards, um, we'll just we'll wrap it up and we'll end the show. All right. All right, cool. So here goes rapid fire round. All right, favorite color? Gray. Coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, sunglasses versus hats? Sunglasses. Uh, let's see, uh, favorite TV show? Uh, it's a tie between Sherlock and Downton Abbey. Wait, which Sherlock, though? The, I mean, okay, like, I'm not 80 BBC years old, so I, I don't remember Basil Rathbone. <laughs> oh, no, I, well, I only ask that because there's like three different versions no, of not, Sherlock. No, not, like, not, not, not the whatever one that's on CBS, not that one. Mm -hmm. The, the, the BBC, the BBC. Okay, Benedict all right, so Cumberbatch. All the way, 100%. Yes. I see, yes. you know, you're already like a million likes right yes. there. <laughs> um, oh gosh, okay, now I lost track of everything. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, favorite TV show. Favorite TV show, uh, Apple or Android? Uh, Apple, although I'm not an a Android hater. Okay. But, yeah. I'm kind of the same, like I've dabbled in both worlds, yeah. so it's, a, it's, it's different, but. Yeah. All right, uh, and then. This is usually a fun one I like to throw in. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world for the rest of your life, mm. where would you want to live? Here. Although I would like to have a, um, a, a place up in Chicago to visit during the summers to get out of the terrible summers here. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the winters here. Yeah, I, I would agree. Those are fun. Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. And also, um, thanks for having just, me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, just paying it forward. Is there anybody that you think would be great to be on this podcast? Like anybody or any particular major that I might not have thought of? I don't know. But if you could get like, <laughs> it'd be interesting to get Arsenal on something like this. I wonder what he would, he would, he would be like, he'd probably talk your ear off. Um, <laughs> but Arsenal would be fun. Um, he's a full time, um, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot of the other adjuncts, though, unfortunately. But um, yeah. Arsenal. So, All right. Yeah. I'll if, write you, it down. if you get him, that would be legendary. Oh my gosh. The guy, like, he he has written so many books. Um, his his his. Um, ultimate work, the, the, the work of his, 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 his life was the book that he wrote about the Freedom Riders mm. in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that integrated the, the uh, interstate bus system in the South. And huge book. My, my, my name is actually in it. Really? Yeah. Oh, hey. In the acknowledgments. But he acknowledged half the world, so. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I mean, hey, it's still there. So. It's still there. It's still so, there. It's still a legacy. Yeah, but from from this book, um, he got a million dollar grant from the uh, National Endowment for the Humanities to do a documentary based on his book uh, that aired on PBS. You know what? I actually have an art history like professor who recommended that yeah. movie to us, and yeah. that's so funny because once you said it, I was like, yeah. "That sounds familiar." He's, but that's, that's he, cool. He's rubbed elbows with giants. Like, wow. like he, I think he was at Obama's inauguration. Um, I think he went to the Oscars one year. Wow. Like, yeah. And what's funny is, like, you meet the guy, and he's just, like, 
he's Ray Arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll have to get him uh, on the show, or at least maybe like a little like blip of just the two of you hanging out talking about art, not art history, but like history, history in general. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the the thing is though, if to to approach him, you'd have to go to his office, mm, okay. which is in the Snell House. Um, it, he, he doesn't. He's very bad about emailing. Sorry, Ray, but you're bad about emailing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, it sounds like my professor, too. Like I mentioned this in the, the first episode, is John Stanko. He's an amazing illustrator and amazing professor, yeah. but like he never checks his email. Like, he checks his email. He admittedly, like, he opens it. He's just like, yeah, I looked at it. I just didn't feel like replying. And we're like, why do you do this? Why do you do this? <laughs> <Why> <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, all right, cool. Well, guys, that is a wrap of the history section of What's My Major. Again, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully any of you future historians out there, you can also uh, acknowledge Dr. Albert here in your uh, your studies. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's cool. a wrap. All right, great.